0: In episode 203, we're gonna talk about student ownership, focusing primarily on student-based scholastic organizations and fundraising money for the arts. Hold on, here we go. Welcome to Funding the Performing Arts Podcast. Open and frank discussion about supporting and growing the performing arts, such as instrumental, vocal, drama, dance, marching, and pageantry arts. All right, so episode 203 today is going to be more or less like a micro episode. So what I'm going to do is periodically intersperse shorter form podcasts to kind of break up the longer interview-based podcasts that we have planned. So uh, I've got another one that we're going to be releasing at the end of next week, but uh, this is just a quick one. And mainly what I want to do is spend a little bit of time exploring the topic of student ownership. And this may be more of a fans raise centric message than anything else today, but I do believe that everything that we do within the platform can be replicated outside the platform with a variety of different fundraisers that your performing organization may wish to engage in. So... The one thing that makes Fans Raise a little bit different is that the platform is essentially built around the students or the members or the performers. And we encourage organizations as they set out to build a crowdfunding campaign. We encourage them to get their kids directly involved, roll up the sleeves, hands on, use it as a vehicle to teach responsibility and student ownership. And as a former band director myself, uh, that's a biggie with me. And even way back when in the day, (laughs) I was uh, at the podium or uh, in booster meetings constantly. I didn't really enjoy talking about fundraising. It was one of those things that was sort of a necessary evil, but it was something that really was needed and required to make our programs go. So I think that any fundraiser, whether it's the sale of some sort of good object Widget, candy, uh, tulip bulbs, mums, pizza kits, whatever. I do think that there's a certain percentage of people that are just never going to participate. And I can tell you that my own kids in their school band program, there are are, uh, most of the fundraisers are, are just things that just fall outside of how I wish to engage, how I wish to spend my time. But there are a few that are home runs, and you know one that's really wildly successful with our Bambooster Association is a mum sale in the fall, and we locked in with a nursery uh, that was willing to wholesale at a really reasonable price uh, those mums to us, and they're phenomenal, and they you know get them in the ground or not. And they're big and they last a while and everyone's really happy with it. So I'm going to buy mums anyway. Most homeowners in my neck of the woods do. Might as well buy through the band. And that's a great uh, great outlet. And that's a great opportunity to just grab some easy bucks and some low-hanging fruit. Now, I think where we start to diverge a little bit is the stuff that really could be uh how do i put this things that could really be made mandatory but not quite mandatory and i think something like a crowdfunding campaign especially with the structure of fans raise is one of those things that you could really challenge your kids and say hey look guys i need everyone to step up i need everyone to do their part you can create it almost like out of a team environment and really impress upon your section leaders your captains your drum majors your upperclassmen to really drive the point home and also roll their own sleeves up and take part and and typically uh you know the the rank and file kids will will tend to get on board with something if they see their classmates doing it so i really believe that involving kids is really the right way to go mainly because in, in crowdfunding if you just leave things up to social media for sharing purposes if you just say hey we're gonna make a nice pretty campaign donation page and we'll share it a couple times on facebook and it'll go viral and it'll be great and it just doesn't work like that and sharing on facebook right now is very much a hit or miss proposition Um, just because let's say you have 300 friends or followers. Does not mean that when you hit share, 300 people are going to see that thing you shared. It just doesn't work like that anymore. There's all kinds of algorithms behind the scenes that dictate what ends up in your newsfeed on any given day. Uh, now, the Facebook gods have recently changed that algorithm so that they are suppressing brands. So it drastically impacts what our followers on our Facebook page, I think we've got roughly 700 and so or uh to date. But if I hit share on a post or I share a blog post or something we wrote or some piece of content, even a landing page for a webinar, a lot less people are seeing it this month than saw it maybe four to six weeks ago. And that's just the way Facebook can change. Um, And maybe they change back. I don't know. But um, Facebook is also a very crowded, chaotic, jumbled, fractured place. And I think that, let's let's take a crowdfunding campaign, for example. If you're just sitting there and you're just hoping somebody helps, if you put a Facebook post out, you're, you're basically announcing it to a room full of people that you're friendly with. I'm not even going to say friends with, maybe friendly. Um, I could tell you that I'm not uh, as close to my number of Facebook friends as I may once have been, but it's just the way social media works. So I think that relying on Facebook and social media as a whole for your promotion of your campaign, it certainly can help. Maybe it adds an additional layer onto your promotion, but I really do believe email is where it's at. I think email, it's easier to measure. It's also easier to track. It's easier to um, look at open rates and bounces, and you can even, at the most sophisticated levels, test things with different subject lines and what gets more opens and what gets more clicks. Do we make the button blue? Do we make it green? And it's, we, we do that stuff all the time at fans raise with our own corporate marketing. So there's a lot that goes into it, but really the importance of student driven emails is this, I think that you make it personal. And I think that at the end of the day, it's not the organization, the Bambooster Association or the orchestra parents or whatever. It's not them asking for help. It's the student. And if you can create messaging that comes across to the audience as if it's coming from the student, this is the organization I spend a lot of my time with. It's very important to me. And then those 20 email contacts that we ask the students for within the fans raise platform, my informal criteria that I always espouse is one, your contacts that you put on your contact list should know you by first name. And number two, they should know to what extent you're involved in your musical performing program. So if they know those two things, then they're mu- statistically much more likely to donate and want to help you out so I think that having a pretty page just out there and hanging there in space uh, Is better than nothing and it might get some donations, but unless you really publicize it and get behind it It's not likely to go very far and I think that take a 50 person band Let's say you have 50 Members in your marching band. I'm just gonna do a little arithmetic here. So you have 50 members, and let's say you get 20 contacts from each member. You've got 1,000 emails immediately on your list. Now, you're probably saying, oh, I could never get 100% of my kids to give uh, 20 contacts each. All right, so let's let's maybe diminish that by, I don't know, 15%. So you have 850 potential emails. And if each of those students does their level best to fill a list with 20 first name, last name emails that the people know them firsthand and understand the role that the marching band, let's say, plays in their life, those 850 contacts, are your pull through is going to be much, much greater. You're going to have more donors. You're going to have a higher average donation. So you're going to have quality and quantity working for you. So I really believe that a little bit more time invested on the front end in terms of making sure that your members are engaged, they're involved, they're taking ownership. I have a lot of band director friends that have gone to their kids and say, look, this is your fundraiser. This is for you. Boosters aren't involved with this. I'm laying this at your feet and if you challenge your group of leaders, your drum majors, your captains, it, it'll go well. It will go well. It you may not you might be surprised with what, you know, your kids can come up with. So, keep it positive, keep it fun, keep it light, and see what happens. Now, what can you do in terms of more traditional mainstream fundraising? in terms of student ownership? Well, I think you can also set expectations. I think to a, uh, a lesser extent, you might be able to, I don't know, throw down the gauntlet and see if they pick it up, um, especially if the kids know it benefits them directly. Hey, this is due, you know, we have to raise $10,000 so that we can take the package of our band trip from X dollars for the all-inclusive bowl game package down to X minus 25%. And I can tell you from the educator point of view, going on a band trip with a skeleton crew of kids because, you know, 30% of my students either weren't inclined to participate or couldn't afford it. uh, Those big destination trips are a lot of fun and great experience and lifelong memories for the kids. But Some kids just, you know, families just won't get behind it because it's cost prohibitive. So the way that you can set up your campaign in terms of the way it is uh, portrayed, packaged, introduced to the kids can really help. So for more information on this, I'm going to link a couple of blog posts uh, that we've written in the show notes. And my hope is that It gets you thinking a little bit along the lines of, okay, how can I involve the kids? Because ultimately, I think, yes, we want kids focused on performance. We want them focused on practice and preparation and improvement and owning that part of it. But the other bit can be just as important. You know, understanding, do they have any concept at how much the equipment they play on costs? Do do your snare drummers and your drum line know what the purchase price is of a of a Yamaha or a Tama or a Pearl snare drum? Probably not, because they're not really running out to go buy one themselves to practice on. They have pads for that. So how do your kids really understand financially what it takes to get a group on the field? They probably don't. And how little they understand in that regard. Hey, hey, they're kids. Maybe they're not supposed to understand. That doesn't mean we can't start that process and maybe teaching them the value of the business behind the organization and how many things have to go well behind the scenes to make sure they get down the road. Drum Corps do this really well. Uh, Even independent performing ensembles like Winter Guard, Indoor Percussion, um, they're typically not shy about sharing those financial constraints. And hey, this fundraiser has to go well or we're gonna have to trim (laughs) and cut costs. And no one wants to hear that. So in the end, uh, I'm going to sum this up now. And uh, I, I will encourage you, visit the blog. We've got some great content on this topic. We've got all kinds of help resources. So if you're interested in getting a campaign started with FansRaise, uh, it's very simple. Just go to fansraise.com and then click the big green button. And you're going to want to set up a user account for yourself and then set up your organization. And what we do is we take a look at your organization. We validate it, make sure it is a performing arts ensemble that meets our requirements of the groups that we work with. And you don't necessarily have to be nonprofit status to do this. But whether you're independent or scholastic, as long as there's kids involved and it's a viable, trackable entity, uh, we're going to be good to go. So... uh, Please reach out to us if we can be of help to you. I'm excited. We're going to be heading down to Texas to TMea in about a week, and uh, that's going to be a big deal. Um, yeah, Texas is great for a lot of things, but they do they do music programs and and performing arts really really well. But those some of those programs are are massive, and everyone thinks that. In a lot of cases, and this might be true in some of the cases that the school districts just fund and underwrite everything, but there, there are some very, very sophisticated, large operational booster groups that facilitate a lot of that. So it's going to be interesting to kind of come back and, and see what kind of takeaways I can bring. Uh, I know FansRaise has a lot to learn. Um, I think we're doing a lot of things right, but I think uh, we do have quite a bit we can still learn and and, uh, as we grow and develop. So that's all for now, thanks very much. Be sure to subscribe uh, on your podcast outlet of choice, whether it's SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you want. We'll be seeing you soon, thanks.